the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Four billion people are gone at this point. And it is easy to read all this devastation and cataclysmic stuff that happens on the earth and just get weighed down by it and and think to yourself, whoever has an opportunity to be saved in the midst of all this destruction and devastation. And God sends an angel to fly in midair to proclaim the gospel so that nobody has an excuse and everybody has an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. God is beyond fair, don't you think? His mercy is never-ending. People have every opportunity to come to Jesus before the tribulation. Many will, but there will still be many who won't. Then, during the tribulation, they'll have chance after chance to repent. And we're going to learn from Pastor Gary today that even through all the devastation of the world, God is going to send an angel to proclaim the good news to everyone, one more time. What about you? Have you said yes to Jesus yet? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jude, chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. In Jude 24, it says, Now to him who was able to keep you, talking about you and me, from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The same truth applies to us. That in Christ, one day we stand faultless before Jesus. That doesn't mean that we're sinless. It means that no longer is our sin held against us because of what Christ has done for us. So we can stand faultless before the throne because of Christ's righteousness that has been imputed to us, we stand in his righteousness before our Father such that on that day he finds no fault in us, that we are blameless before him. So this is that description of the 144,000 that that John sees here, uh, gathered with Jesus around Mount Zion when the Lord returns. By the way, it tells us in verse 3 that they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne. So, you know, they're... They're engaged in this song. It's a new song. It hadn't been sung before. And I love also in verse 2, he says, And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. You know how we have this this idea in our heads that, you know, angels are in heaven playing harps. Well, some of them are. Uh, And and I don't mean to harp on it, but it really really is here in, in the Bible. So, John sees this. This is the first part of chapter 14. The second part of chapter 14 starts in verse 6, and I'll read down through verse 13. He says, Then I saw 
another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. And another angel followed, this is angel number two, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. So John writing now. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So in this second section here of chapter 14, he sees three angels, and each angel has a specific mission. The first angel gives this invitation, this invitation to accept Christ. Again, that's verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Saying with a loud voice, fear God, give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. Now, please note with me, this is very unique. Has never happened before in the Bible, and never happens again. What's unique about it? That God is actually using an angel to preach the gospel. Now, the gospel has always been entrusted to people to share. Never an angel until this scene. Why is it that God is using an angel instead of people? Well, frankly, one of the reasons is because, remember, at this point, the church has been raptured. The church has been taken. And people who get saved during the tribulation time are going to be martyred. They're either going to be killed because of their faith in Jesus, or they refuse to accept the mark of the beast, in which case they will die. They will be killed for not receiving the mark. And so there's an absence of, of Christians who are able to proclaim the gospel. So what does God use? He uses an angel. He calls upon an angel to fly in midair. Now, this is what it means when it says flying in the midst of heaven. He's flying in midair. The heaven being not heaven itself, capital H, but heaven being the atmosphere of the earth, the earth's atmosphere. God dispatches an angel to fly in the atmosphere all over the globe proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, every tribe, every tongue and people. So it's either miraculously getting translated in different languages in midair, or this angel is communicating in all the different languages so that every person on the planet can hear the gospel. 
Here's why this is so critically important. When you read the book of Revelation, and you can get heavy in your heart when you begin to see about, you know, all this destruction and devastation and death and, you know, meteor showers and water, fresh water turning to blood and, and all this stuff and people dying. I mean, by the time you get into chapter 14, half of the world's population is dead or gone. Four billion people are gone at this point. And it is easy to read all this devastation and cataclysmic stuff that happens on the earth and just get weighed down by it and, and think to yourself, who has an opportunity to be saved in the midst of all this destruction and devastation. And God sends an angel to fly in midair to proclaim the gospel so that nobody has an excuse and everybody has an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. This is important to understand because we need to grasp the heart of God. When you read all of this and think, this is, this is heavy, all this devastation. Again, you know, many of us can testify to the fact that it took a trial or a difficulty in our life to finally get us to the place of surrender to Jesus. You know who you are, right? Many of us. It took some difficulty, trial, or devastating thing that happened in our life to finally awaken us to our need for a Savior. And so God will use trials and tribulations, small t and capital T tribulation, to awaken people on the planet. This is the last call. And and yet, people will still be stubborn and people will refuse to accept and believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And still, because of God's love for people, He will dispatch an angel to fly around the planet. Okay, for anybody who hasn't... So for all of you who are like, what about the guy on the island? The guy on the island is going to hear the gospel. (laughs) Because an angel is going to fly over that island, and over every island, and over every nation, and over every tribe, and language, and people, and proclaim the good news of Jesus so that people have an opportunity to get saved, and so that people will be without an excuse. This is God going after people on the planet. And so that's angel number one. Angel number two gives a declaration, basically, of the doom of the Antichrist system. That's verse eight. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon has fallen, fallen on the great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So this is a reference to the system of the Antichrist And we'll read more about it in chapter 17 and 18, where it talks about Babylon and the woman who rides the beast. And so it's the ushering in of this Babylonian world system, this one world government, one world religion. We'll talk more about it. But this second angel is declaring the doom, the end of the Antichrist system. And and the third angel basically is responsible for preaching about the condemnation of those who choose to follow the beast. That's verses 9 through 11. All, all this about, you know, if you, if you take the mark of the beast, you're going to incur the wrath of God. His indignation is going to be poured out full strength. And so he declares condemnation to those. If you take that mark, you are declaring that you belong to the Antichrist instead of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And so... He, he preaches condemnation to those who take the mark of the beast. But the way that John ends this section, though, is also encouraging to us, because in, in verse 12, again, he says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You know, there, there is always a remnant. 
Even during the tribulation period, there will always be a remnant of people. And how he says there in verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. In other words, death is always a grievous thing to us, you know, when we lose a loved one. But what he's saying here is, but when you die in the Lord. In other words, when you know Christ as your Savior. Death is just a transition from here into the presence of the Lord. And blessed are those who die in the Lord, he's saying. Because theirs is the hope of Christ. Yes, the end of verse 13 says the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. In other words, you know, the ultimate rest in our lives is when we're going to be with the Lord in heaven. That's the ultimate rest, the eternal rest. And the idea about our works will follow us because the Bible does tell us that he will reward us according to our works. Now, our works don't get us saved. We don't do good works to get saved. You can't improve upon the cross. Jesus died for our sins, and you can't do more things to improve upon that and to kind of get in God's good graces. The only way to get saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. But what we do for God will be richly rewarded. We'll we'll see that later in the book of Revelation. So our works follow us. God will reward our works. The last section here of chapter 14 is verse 14 down through verse 20. And he says this, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle, and another angel, so this is the second set of three angels, Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. All right, let me just stop there for a moment and identify this one that he refers to as sitting on a cloud, one like the Son of Man. This is a reference to Jesus being the harvester of the earth. He's going to use three angels as part of the harvesting process, but he is the ultimate one who harvests the earth. And when we talk about harvesting the earth, we're talking about the harvest of souls, that there's going to be a great division of souls between believers and unbelievers. That's what is meant by harvesting the earth. There are presently people who are growing up, kind of like the picture of a harvest of wheat or some agricultural product. And so it's this figurative language here. There's going to come a day when just like wheat is separated from the chaff, there's going to be this time of separating believers from unbelievers or in Matthew's gospel where Jesus speaks about separating the sheep from the goats. So there's going to be a great harvest time. And the one who is referred to here as like the Son of Man, that is a messianic reference. That's a reference to Jesus. So again, he's seeing Jesus, and he talks about how he is sitting on a white cloud. That's a picture of purity. And he speaks there how he's wearing a golden crown. That's a picture of victory. And it talks about how he's holding a sharp sickle in his hand. That's a picture of authority. So this is none other than Jesus. He sees Jesus here, and yet entering the scene is another angel in verse 15. And this other angel is coming in to where Jesus is, and here this set of three angels are responsible for 
three additional things compared to the first set of three angels. So the second set here between verses 15 and 20, angel number one, he makes the announcement of the harvest of the earth. He comes into the scene here where Jesus is sitting on a cloud, Jesus wearing a golden crown, Jesus has a sharp sickle in his hand, and this angel basically pleads with Jesus, the time now comes, please harvest the earth. The earth is ripe unto harvest. And, and so in verse 16, it says, so he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle, took his sickle, and it's this picture of him harvesting the earth. The earth was reaped. And then enters angel number two, verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So angel number two gets deployed, and he comes from the temple in heaven. He also has a sharp sickle. Now, he's going to get dispatched here by angel number three. And angel number three comes onto the scene, verse 18, and another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. That's kind of an awesome little superhero power there. Power over fire. He's a real guardian of the galaxy right there. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, now he's, he's crying out to angel number two, not to Jesus specifically, to angel number two, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel, that's how we know he's talking angel number two, because so the angel, not the son of man, the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Okay, the wrath of God. So angel number three here is responsible for announcing the judgment of unbelievers. And angel number two takes his sharp sickle, thrusts it, gathers the vine of the earth, threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God, and the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Okay, before I talk about what's going on here, let me just comment on this last verse here. The winepress was trampled outside the city. Blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle. We're talking a few feet deep. Now, some of this can be literal, some of it can be figurative. What it seems to indicate to us is, again, the climatic time that ends the tribulation period is the Battle of Armageddon. The Bible tells us that the Battle of Armageddon begins in Har Megiddo, the mountain of Megiddo. So the Valley of Megiddo, the Jezreel Valley, there's going to be this great and awful war that happens when nations converge in the Jezreel Valley against Israel and the God of Israel. When I take our groups to Israel, we stand there at Armageddon, at Armageddon, we look out of the Jezreel Valley. By the way, Napoleon stood there once and longed to fight a battle in the Jezreel. Whatever, Napoleon. Anyway. But he declared, you know, what a great battlefield and that he himself wished he could fight in the, in the, uh, in the Jezreel Valley. But what apparently starts in the Jezreel Valley... And the horrific bloodshed will flow down to the Kidron Valley. Kidron, which is the Kidron Valley, is right next to the city of Jerusalem. It separates the Mount of Olives from the old city of Jerusalem. Kidron in Hebrew means black because it would often run black from the blood of the animals that were sacrificed on the Temple Mount. So many lambs 
would be sacrificed, especially at a time like Passover in ancient times, that the valley up there called Kidron would run black with the blood of the slaughter of the animals. And apparently, this battle of Armageddon is going to be so horrific that blood will flow from the Jezreel Valley down to the Kidron Valley. Now, it talks about flowing up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs, furlongs, 1,600 furlongs. If you have an NIV Bible that says 1,600 stadia, it's roughly 180 miles. Now, can blood flow 180 miles? So some of this probably is more figurative than literal because that would be deep and that would be a long river of blood. Uh, Israel itself is only about 200 miles north to south. And so it is saying that the blood is going to flow 180 miles north to south. Uh, but this third angel is going to be used by God to bring about this time of judgment upon the earth. Now, it's interesting, in Matthew chapter 13, you can go home and read it later, but Jesus teaches this parable about the tares and the wheat, and at the end of Matthew 13, his disciples come to him privately and say, we don't, we don't get that parable, can you explain it to us? And in Matthew 13, verses 36 to 43, Jesus talks about how at the end of the age, God will use angels as instruments of his harvesting process whereby they will separate the wheat from the tares. And the wheat from the tares is a picture of the wheat being the righteous, the tares being the weeds, who are the unrighteous. It's interesting when when wheat and tares grow together, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell the difference between wheat and weeds until they form a head, and then you can tell the difference between wheat because you can see the kernels that distinguish it from the weeds. And thus... Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 13 that there will come a time when the fruitfulness will be known and God at the end of the age will use angels as part of the distinguishing process to separate the righteous, the wheat, the sheep, from the unrighteous, the tares, the weeds, the goats, as part of his judgment at the end of the age. And so Jesus is the great harvester, but he's going to be using angels as part of that harvesting process, part of the judgment that is coming upon the earth. So these are the things that are to come and a reminder to us that, you know, God remembers mercy in the midst of his wrath because here in the midst of all this, he sends an angel to be dispatched to preach the gospel around the world. And so God is always mindful of those who need him. And so... May we not get weighed down with all of the terrible stuff that is coming. May it stir our hearts to remember. God has called us to be salt and light in the earth. And may we be used by him to influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we ourselves would be ready. Would be ready. Lord, we just thank you for this time and your word together. And pray that you would continue to stir our hearts. So we wouldn't get weighed down by things But instead, we would remember you're coming again. And Lord, that we would be ready for your imminent return. Thank you for your mercy that even during this tribulation time, you will dispatch an angel to preach the gospel to every nation and tribe and people and language so that as many people as possible might be saved. Thank you, Lord, that you remember mercy in the midst of your wrath. And we praise you in Jesus' name. 
And everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.